Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Sisters in Crime. I am your co-host, Sarah, joined by Kate. Hi. This week, I am going to be talking about the missing persons case of Kristen Smart. She was a student at California Polytechnic State University. She attended a friend's birthday party on May 25th, 1996, and she was never seen after that. Kristen Smart was born on February 20th, 1977 in West Germany. Both of her parents were teachers to American military children. When she was young, her parents decided to move back to the States in California where she grew up in Stockton with her brother and sister. I listened to a podcast about Kristen's disappearance and the host, Chris Lambert, sits down with Kristen's parents and who she was as a child. I'd like to paint a picture for you of who Kristen was. She was the firstborn to Stan and Denise. The two actually had trouble conceiving and thought they'd have to resort to adoption until Kristen came along. And a few years later, Matthew, her brother, was born. And then a few years after that, her sister, Lindsay, was born. Kristen's dad describes her as an overachiever being the oldest. She always worked to please her parents and was a great student. She was organized and looked after her younger siblings no matter what. Kristen was athletic. She swam and played soccer, as well as participated in school plays. She spent her summers working as a lifeguard and a camp counselor. A childhood friend recalls Kristen being extremely talented when it came to drawing and laying out floor plans. She had an interest in architecture and assumes Kristen chose Cal Poly because of their superb architecture program. According to the podcast, Chris mentions that she also had a love for traveling and later changed her major to communications to be a journalist and travel the world. What's up, my communications major? (laughs) (laughs) Everything changed on May 25th, 1996, which was a Memorial Day weekend. Kristen wanted to spend her Friday night out having fun as a college student. There weren't many parties going on, according to Chris's podcast. He was interviewing Margarita, which was Kristen's college friend at the time. They had spent the night just hanging out, but according to Margarita, Kristen was looking for a house party. Margarita wasn't in the mood to go to some big party, so they parted ways on campus with the agreement that Kristen would stay with Margarita that night after going out. Kristen ended up at a birthday party held at one of the frat houses on campus. Funny thing is, she didn't know anyone at the house. And also, I read that um, this like wasn't this huge like <laughs> raging frat house. I think there were like 20 kids there. So it's not like this really huge, like crazy party. Okay. And as college kids do, they do a lot of drinking at these parties. And by 2 a.m., she was found passed out on a neighbor's lawn by two other students, Cheryl Anderson and Tim Davis, who were leaving the party and noticed Kristen on the lawn. As the good Samaritans they were, they helped Kristen up to her feet and walked her back to her dorm, which was nearby about 40 yards, which is about an 11-minute walk for clarity. There was another student, Paul Flores, who joined Cheryl and Tim in helping Kristen back. According to an article by Rolling Stone, Paul had attempted to flirt with her and apparently fell on her at one point earlier in the night, according to witnesses. So maybe he saw Cheryl and Tom and decided to join in in hopes of getting more time with Kristen. As they are walking towards Kristen's dorm, Tom left the group to drive home first since he lived off campus. Cheryl walked a bit more with Kristen and Paul until they came upon her dorm. And that's where Cheryl parted ways. Paul said that he would walk Kristen as far to his dorm and then allowed her to walk back to her dorm alone. 
This was the last known sighting of her. I also want to state that she didn't have any money or credit cards on her at this time. Oh, interesting. Why Why didn't she have anything on her? I think because um, she was just going out. And um, I guess... So actually, Margarita and her kind of like spent some time with like other students. And were just kind of like drinking. Um, and Kristen wanted something like a little bit more upbeat. Um, so I think as a college student, if I knew like I was just going to be hanging out like with friends or if I was going to this house party, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring any ID or anything with me, especially if it was like on, on campus or like right off of campus. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I get you. But sometimes I feel like I, you don't want to have all that on you, especially when you're partying, just more stuff to lose. (laughs) Right. And that also goes to say that she didn't have any money to just like leave, Mm -hmm. you know, like or catch a cab and like just leave campus or like whatever. Right. When Margarita woke up and didn't see Kristen, she was worried and wondered where she was. Kristen's roommate, Crystal, spent Friday night off campus but returned to their dorm room Saturday and noticed that it looked like Kristen hadn't slept in her bed the night before. Um, Kristen had actually had like things like strong all over her bed so um that's how crystal knew that Kristen didn't stay in that bed the night before it wasn't until sunday that crystal started asking people around their dorm if they had seen Kristen, and everyone had the same answer no they hadn't seen her in a few days because of the long weekend a lot of students went out of town on vacations because of this campus police didn't take a missing persons report from crystal since it was a long weekend and not of the ordinary to not hear from fellow classmates or students crystal and other dorm mates decided to call local police to see if they could file a missing persons report with them but they just redirected the girls back to campus police it wasn't until the continued back and forth between the two police authorities and the Smart family and Kristen's friends before an official report was filed a week after her disappearance. And I've actually seen where it was filed on the 28th, um, which was about three days after her disappearance before any legal action was taken. So I, I see like three days after and I see a week after. So Interesting. The two lead detectives on the case interviewed all three students who were last seen with Kristen. Several volunteers started searching for Kristen either on foot, horseback, and some used ground-penetrating radar devices. But as we know, none were successful. And then I just want to make a side note here. There were rumors in the media that Lacey Peterson's husband, Scott Peterson, had something to do with Kristen's disappearance since they were attending. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even make that connection with that. They were attending the Cal Poly campus at the same time. There was a brief inquiry as to whether these rumors were true, but Scott denied any involvement and he was eventually ruled out as a suspect. I think we need to do that case up soon (laughs) too. I don't think Scott did it, but anyways. I need to go back. I need to go back because I was on the fence. Um, Okay, back to the story. So... (laughs) Paul Flores was considered a suspect and interviewed by local police investigators shortly after Kristen was officially made a missing person. And this is just where I want to reference that while listening to the Chris Lambert podcast of Kristen Smart's case, he mentions that there was a mugshot of Paul that was taken before Kristen was officially made a missing person. Chris mentions in the podcast that Paul lies about when he got the black eye. Um, A friend apparently confirmed Paul had the black eye on Sunday. And Paul was saying that he got the black eye on Monday. 
um, and kept oh. making up like all these excuses. But there's a mugshot of Paul um, out there before Kristen was made a missing person, like officially made a missing person. And he has a black eye. Okay. Just saying. Just saying. Okay. According to an article by the San Lupus Espiso Tribune, Cal Poly police didn't search his room until June 10th. June 10th. Several weeks after she had gone missing. And by then the semester was over and the room had been cleaned out. Yeah, what the hell? June 10th? Yeah. Paul is interviewed on June 19th where he excuses himself after a while because he has to go help with some concrete work at his mom's house. And this plays a significant role later in the case. Oh. Um, the county sheriff's office searched his room once more, his dorm room once more during the weekend of June 29th when a team of cadaver dogs signaled the smell of human decay. This created a frenzy and Paul was in the center of the investigation. Paul invoked the Fifth Amendment when the DA's office subpoenaed him to testify before a grand jury in 1996 and then also in 1997 um, during a uh, deposition. He pleaded the Fifth. Hmm. So I'm going to kind of go off topic here for a minute, but it all adds up in the end. Susan Flores, which is Paul's mother, decides to rent her house to a couple from out of town, Mary and Joe. One day, Mary decided to wash her car in the driveway when she sees something shiny. She picks it up and notices it's a woman's earring that has some kind of like dark smudge on the back. Um, she puts it in a Ziploc baggie because up until this point, they had been wondering why they were getting all these postcards saying things like admit what you've done and just have your son confess to what he has done. So they were getting this like postcards like that um, because they were at a top. Oh like they, did, they didn't know about this case. They didn't know like this was the mother of Paul Flores and he was, you know, a prime suspect and mm -hmm. mm -hmm. her missing case. So um, they really like weren't sure. And then she found, finds this earring and she's like, with this little smudge on the back. And she's like, eh, maybe I should hold on to this. So she puts it in a Ziploc baggie. And on October 28th, 1996, a detective visits them where the couple hands over the earring to the detective. And when the smarts are called to identify the earring, it has been misplaced. Interesting. Yeah. But the podcast I listened to that covered this case notes that Kristen Smart is wearing a necklace in her senior year picture, similar to the earring Mary found almost as a pair. So actually, oh. I I actually went on to this guy's um, podcast website and it shows Mary holding up the earring. Actually, what she had did, she would go, she was at the mall one day and found this earring that was almost identical to the one that she found. So she bought it and um, she held it up and she's like, this is almost exactly like what it looks like. And it's um, it's that picture next to the necklace that um, Kristen is wearing in that picture and they do look almost identical. And I will put all these up on our Instagram as well. Okay. Once Susan found out the couple had talked to detectives and appeared at the deposition, she evicted them. And during their 30-day notice, they legally gave permission to have crews come in with ground-penetrating radar and search the backyard. The man who had the ground-penetrating device had never looked for an actual human body before and wasn't 100% certain that um, what they had found under the concrete was a human body, let alone Kristen's. But there was evidence that there was some disturbance in the ground, in the soil, underneath the concrete. There was a disturbance in one specific area. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, in 2005, Kristen's family filed a $40 million 
wrongful death lawsuit against Paul. The suit was dropped due to lack of evidence. And in retaliation, the Flores family filed a lawsuit against the Smart family for emotional distress. But the lawsuit never resulted in any judgment. Oh, my gosh. I feel like that. Like, the I, I back the Smart family. And then, mm-hmm. like, I just feel like the Flores is kind of like pettiness. But... Mm-hmm. Between 2011 and 2016, Kristen's case was regularly reviewed by the San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office, which is where the college was located. Kristen's file is marked as a high-priority missing persons investigation in the FBI's database. There is a reward of $75,000 for information leading to find her to resolve the decades-long case. And then I also read that, I don't know how true this is, but a local by the name of Terry Black has offered a $100,000 reward for her body. Like if somebody discovered her body. Um, So what do they think that Paul did though? Like when he was the person of interest. Killed her? (laughs) Raped her? Yeah, but like did they have have any... We'll get into that. Okay. Okay. My bad. Real movement came when Chris Lambert published his podcast about Kristen's story called Your Own Backyard, the one I've been referring to this during this whole episode. It's a 10-episode series that goes into great detail about the case, and I recommend checking it out. Um, but his podcast encouraged new leads to come forward, according to an article by Rolling Stone. And then almost 14 years later, in February of 2020, police seized digital devices during a search of Paul's parents' homes. So Paul's parents lived in separate houses. Um, they were, I think they like almost lived by each other, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they lived in separate mm-hmm. houses. So Paul's parents' homes, his sister's home, and his own home. Another search was executed two months later in April at Paul's property in San Pedro, California, Um, What authorities find is enough to bring charges against Paul and his dad, Ruben, in connection with what is referred to as the 1996 homicide of Cal Poly student Kristen Smart. Wow. And his dad. And his dad. On April 14th, 2020, up until about uh, 2020, 2019, 2020, um, there really was no movement in the case. She was just considered a missing person. But on April 14th, 2020, Paul is charged with first-degree murder and attempt- attempted rape. His father, Reuben, is charged with accessory after the fact to the crime of murder for allegedly helping his son dispose of Kristen's body. Wow. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you said his dad. I'm like, probably yeah. something to do with disposing of um, yeah. her body. Or hiding it or concealing it, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Five days later, Paul shockingly pleads not <laughs> And I say shockingly as very sarcastic. Paul shockingly pleads not guilty as well as Ruben, who also pleads not guilty. Judge Craig B. Ban Ruin doesn't grant Paul bail, saying he could result in, quote, great bodily harm to the public. And Ruben was granted bail. Paul and his dad, Ruben, appear in the San Luis Obispo Superior Court on July 14, 2021. DA Christopher Pavrell has requested to add two rape charges against Paul, according to the Tribune of San Luis Obispo, which Judge Craig Van Ruin denies, stating, quote, there's no evidence of a sex crime in the charged crime, referring to the murder case itself. Proof of the L.A. charges can't act as a substitute for the SLO case, end quote. So you're probably asking yourself, why is he trying to pin two rape charges when Kristen is the only victim in this case? Well, 
Previously sealed documents are released to the public showing where the DA was getting this info. These documents include two claims from 2011 and 2017 of two women who had accused Paul of raping them while they were drunk in San Pedro. The documents also shed light to other alleged rapes as well as unwanted sexual advances. The podcast I use for my research goes into great detail of these allegations and charges, and I, again, highly recommend listening to that podcast because it, it just goes into extreme detail, and it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Wow. So two other men outside, or two other, two other women outside of Kristen oh, claiming more. that Paul. Okay. And San Pedro, this is, is that just close on paper. to Cal? Okay. San Pedro is, let's see. I mean, in 2011, 2017, the Chris, uh, Kristen went missing in 1996. So this, this is quite a while afterwards, too. Yeah. Seems like he wouldn't have taken a break in between all of that, but just me. So San Pedro is um, three hours and 40 minutes away. It's south from San Luis Obispo. So it's okay. north of L.A. So San Pedro is like around L.A. Okay. Still, still kind of LA ish area. Yeah, but it's almost four hour, four hours away from um, you know the the university. Okay, okay, got gotcha. you. Not only did these documents write about these alleged incidences, it also shows what was found in those searches from Paul's house back in February. Remember when police seized electronic devices from his house? Yeah, apparently police found videos of Paul having sex with seemingly incapacitated women. Among those videos was a folder labeled practice, which showed women wearing ball gags and in other fetish positions. On top of all this, date rate drugs were also found in Paul's possession. Oh my gosh. Of course, of course, of course the drugs were found. I don't know. You weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's quite a lot there. In the Rolling Stone article about the case, I came across where the police had phone tapped the Flores' residences, and there is a conversation between Paul and his mother, and this is what she says. Quote, the other thing I need you to do is to start listening to the podcast. I need you to listen to everything they say so we can punch holes in it. Um, wherever we can punch holes, maybe we can't you, you're the one that can tell me End quote. Remember when the couple that rented Susan's house out allowed detectives to search the backyard? Mm -hmm. Well, during the ground penetrating radar, they did uncover a soil disturbance under the deck. Like I said, that they weren't sure was human, but they had also taken four soil samples that tested positive for human blood. And they also had discovered fibers that were consistent with the color of clothing Kristen had um, <gasps> been wearing when she was last seen. Wow. Evidentiary. Like, looking like that was <laughs> Kristen's remains under there, unfortunately. The evidentiary hearing takes place August 3rd, 2021. Testifying, calling witnesses, and speaking on behalf of Paul's character. Three days later, it's revealed in court that Paul has been looked into by law enforcement quite extensively over the years with 48 search warrants, 48 search warrants, holy crap, involving wiretaps and GPS tracking. And let's not forget the search of Paul's dorm room after school was let out for the summer back at Cal Poly. Jennifer Hudson, one of many witnesses, takes the stand where she tells the court that in 96, she was 17 at the time. Paul laughingly tells her he had, quote, taken care of smart. 
according to the Rolling Stone article. It goes. You don't laughingly say that. Right. That's not something that you joke about. Sorry. No. No. And it goes on to mention that during her testimony that she feared for her life. So didn't she didn't tell anyone at the time what Paul had mentioned or for years after. She said, I was afraid I'd end up missing or buried someplace. She added that Paul said he put Kristen under a skateboard ramp in Ario Grande. Oh, my gosh. People don't say things like that unless they really did it. You know? No, no. On September 22nd, 2021, Judge Craig B. Van Ruyen rules that Flores will be tried for the murder in the 1996 disappearance of Smart, of Kristen Smart. His father, Ruben, will be tried as an accessory to the crime. The trial is set to start on April 25th of this year in San Luis Obispo. Paul's attorney has requested a change of venue to Santa Maria, which is about 33 miles north. The venue change hearing will be held March 30th. Over a half a million people are reported missing to this day in the United States. One positive thing that came from Kristen's tragic story is state legislation has included the Kristen Smart Campus Security Act, a bill which requires all public colleges and publicly funded educational institutions to have their security services make agreements with local police departments about reporting cases involving or possibly involving violence against students, including missing students. The bill was passed unanimously by the California State Legislature and was signed into law by Governor Pete Wilson. And that is the now ongoing case of Kristen Smart. And we will know here at the end of this month if um, the venues changed and on April 25th, the hearing, the trial will be held. Wow. Wow. That's great, though, that thing. I mean, it has been almost 30 years, but that's great that they have found it. Funny how it all came back to Paul still, even though he was the first person that they were looking into. And um, it really is crazy. I really do believe that that um, podcast made by Chris Lambert. And by the way, Chris Lambert isn't this podcaster. I think he's a musician. It's just he grew up around Cal Poly. I'm pretty sure. And just took her a, a big interest in this. And it's it's a 10-episode podcast. And he goes into such great detail about this whole entire case. And it really does shed light on who Paul's character was. And it's absolutely insane. It's insane. Mm-hmm. That, like, he got away this this long mm-hmm. for it, you know? Because yeah. when, you, when you go and hear the podcast, you're like, oh, my God, yeah, like... I I can't believe like he hasn't been tried sooner, you know. Right. Well, that's what I was thinking. It's like they they had him in the beginning. Yeah. And then was, it just kind yeah. of fell apart. Yeah. It's because what happened, I think I th- this definitely could have changed if the two police departments communicated better and if campus police took it more seriously at the time instead of just brushing it off like oh maybe she went camping or it is memorial day weekend like maybe she just did this and yeah this is back in 96 where there aren't cell phones you can't just text Mm -hmm. somebody like i completely understand that it's a totally completely different world but um but you would think i mean people don't just run away and go camping like they let people know you know right and it is sad that you know i've talked about this before but it's the 70s gave birth to serial killers and Mm -hmm. it's just kind of crazy that it takes these acts of violence for us to learn and 
you know, have bills like the Kristen Smart Campus Security Act mm-hmm. to put in place laws right. that can save. And actually, in that podcast I was listening to, because that was um, that bill had passed, there was actually a guy that had abducted um, two girls from that university after Kristen, like years later. And um, they had originally thought that Kristen was the victim of him. But because that bill acted so quick after, you know, the girls were reported missing and things were taking more seriously and moved quickly, um, he mm-hmm. was put in jail. But they also found out he was in jail for like on a charge during when Kristen was. Okay. But like, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. He was in jail like during um, the time she mm-hmm. went missing. But still, like that bill had helped two students be found or laid to rest or whatever. Right. Um, because of her, it's just sad that it takes that right. for others to. Yeah. Also, can we go back to Paul leaving um, <laughs> the questioning to go pour cement? So, hello? Like, right. So, we, I, probably brains? I probably worded that kind of. He wasn't there. Like, he wasn't being held against his will. Yeah, but still. When, right. when someone's like being questioned for murder and they're like, hold up, I got to go lay this cement in my backyard. Right. Like, um, <laughs> yeah he was just like to me. yeah he was just like hey um are we like done here because i've got like some concrete work to help my dad with right huh? it's just yeah <laughs> i don't buy it sorry Paul. right right so that is the case of Kristen smart and um we will have all of the necessary pictures up on our instagram and i will also be posting like on March 30th, if the venue gets changed and how the uh, trial ends up. Yes, we'll post updates. Um, thanks to all our four listeners, maybe this week <laughs> instead of three. <laughs> I think we gained a couple since last week. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Rach. Thanks, Rach, for that. And Paula. My mom wanted us to call out to Paula. So and Paula, thanks, yes. Paula. Paula. Okay, well, we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Again, you know the deal. Follow us on Instagram, Sisters in Crime Pod, Sisters Letter in Crime Pod, and uh, send us a direct message if you have any ideas on a case that you want to hear. And um, we will be back next week. Yep. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>